and learn. build a business yeah. around the lifestyle that you want to live. And I tell people all the time, I mean, everybody should have a side hustle. Everybody has something they're good at and everybody can take something that they're good at and turn it into making a few bucks. Love it. Welcome to Find Your Yellow Tux. I'm Jesse Cole, a baseball team owner turned showman, turning my back on the status quo. This is the show for people creating their own path. It's showtime. Excited to be here today with Danny Merritt of Nine Line and now a new company, Georgia Land and Cattle. But you know, Nine Line, amazing story. It's the 31st fastest growing company in the country by Inc. Magazine. Uh, over 1.7 million likes and followers on Facebook, and just recently also the number three fastest growing online retailer in the country by Inc. But I know it's been a long journey to get here. So you know, briefly, can you just share with the listeners, you know, how it all started, and you know, even your your backstory and enlisting in, in the army? Sure. Um, the, the nine line story is it, it's truly impossible to replicate, you know, it, it'd be really hard to find two brothers who are army officers, who are combat veterans of both wars, um, who have no fashion sense that could start a, uh, multi, multi, multi million dollar company as fast as we have. Uh, Tyler and I both bring, you know, extreme opposites to the, uh, to, to the, to the fight, you know. He is much more uh, systematic, and I am much more relationship-driven. Um, so those two qualities really helped kind of build this brand. Um, the way it started was pretty unique. Um, just a little background on Tyler and myself. You know, I enlisted in the Army at 18 years old. Um, did my first three years in Germany, uh, stationed in Germany. And that point in time, my brother had gotten into uh, West Point. And he's like, hey, you know you should think about becoming an army officer. And I was like, no way, man. You, uh, you're already at West Point, you're gonna beat me to a commission, so I don't, I don't wanna deal with that, you're gonna outrank me. He's like, well, if you go to Valley Forge Military College, you can get a commission in two years. You can actually beat me to being an army officer. So I said, deal. <laughs> so I, uh, enro- I uh, applied, yeah. I got in, I commissioned in two years, I did beat him to uh, becoming oh, wow. a second lieutenant. Um, I came back active duty 2007 and immediately deployed to Iraq. It was my first deployment uh, as a platoon leader on the ground. Um, my brother uh, literally was in Iraq at the same time as me. He was actually flying attack helicopters in northern Iraq. I was wow. on the ground in south- southern Iraq. And uh, we actually were able to have Thanksgiving 2008 together in Iraq, uh, which is pretty awesome. What was that so- like? It was crazy, you know, his accommodations as a pilot were much nicer than mine. I mean, he was sleeping on a bed, I was sleeping in a freaking hangar um, on a cot. So it was nice. Uh, It it, it was an experience, most, like like, again, it's it's an incredible story that we'll be able to tell our kids one day about, uh, you know, spending Thanksgiving together in Iraq, which most people won't be able to ever talk about. Now, now take it back, you know, what influenced you to enlist in the Army first at 18, so right out of high school? Yeah, uh, 18 years old, there was there was no wars going on. Um, I really saw joining the Army as something that was going to make me commit to something. Okay. I had a hard time sticking to what I said I was going to do, and I knew at an early age that I needed to stick to something. So once you sign that dotted line, it's over, yeah. right? So. That's a three-year commitment. And I also wanted to go to Europe. Uh, I heard the girls were real pretty over there. <laughs> so, um, so I did. So I, I put Germany in my contract, and I grew up. I mean, I became a man in Germany. Yep. You know, it was 18 to 21, uh, and I got to cover all of Europe as a young man. And 
chase girls around in every country, <laughs> and, and it was a really awesome experience to kind of, my first experience outside of the United States, you know, living amongst uh, people who are completely different, mm-hmm. you know, um, so it was, it was, it was a great experience. Now, you've become one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the country, but did you have any of this entrepreneur spirit, I guess, before enlisting in the Army when you were younger, or did you develop any in the Army? Because the Army is a whole different way of life compared yeah. to being an entrepreneur. I think my first entrepreneurial there you go. experience was actually in Iraq. Okay. Um, the guys that I replaced in Iraq were, uh, they took a different uh, path to how to operate within the city of Diwania. It was pretty aggressive. Um, and they got into lots and lots of fights. And um, when I took over that area of operations, I took a completely separate approach. I tried to, I I really believe in community policing. Mm -hmm. So I I spent a lot of time building relationships within the city as opposed to using bullets. You know, I really, I tried to, you know, leverage, you know, emotion and relationships and and finances, actually, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I started this thing called Operation Soccer Ball. And I ended up partnering with just local family and friends at first, and they were sending me over soccer balls. And then I ended up partnering up with Robert Kraft, who owns the uh, New England Patriots. Yeah. And a couple other people. And I ended up having connexes, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of soccer balls sent to me in Iraq. And when we would go to some of the tougher neighborhoods, you know, the more dangerous places in Iraq, we would take hundreds and hundreds of soccer balls. Why soccer balls? Because soccer is the universal language for the entire globe. You know, you don't know, I don't know, you know, the language over there. They don't know the language over here, but everybody knows soccer. It doesn't matter what continent you're on. Everybody can get down with soccer. Everybody can get behind. So did you just come up with this? Say, hey, what's up? Okay. Well, they were doing Beanie Babies, and it's like, what do you do with the Beanie Baby? I was like, why don't you play soccer? So we started sponsoring soccer teams. Okay. And I'd go to the, you know, the worst places in Iraq, and, you know, I'd throw out a ton of soccer balls, and it would bring the kids out. What was the impact? How did the kids react? Oh, my God, they would beat the piss out of each other for a soccer ball. I mean, it was crazy. They so just, this is supposed to be good lessons, and now they're beating each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, grown men would fight over a soccer yeah. ball. You wow. know, But everybody loves soccer. And I got to become known as not the guy in the, you know, gun trucks, you yeah. know, blasting everybody. I was known as the soccer ball guy. Wow. You know, hey, he's always bringing soccer balls. He's a nice guy. He, can, he cares about the kids here. He's building soccer teams. And that got me way far. In terms of the the respect I needed to have um, in Iraq, and it was it was huge. Wow. I mean, I was getting things done because I was getting so much intelligence because people trusted me. They're like, he's a good dude. He really yeah. cares about us. What was the pushback from this? Was there any pushback from no trying to pushback? Get... I had great commanders. Wow. I had great battalion commanders. Everybody thought it was a really outside, you know, the box way of doing stuff, and it was, and it was effective. I didn't lose one soldier during that entire trip. And uh, I think a lot of it had to do with the way that we treated the local populace. So, again, thinking outside the box. Relationships. Um, yeah. You know, finding something that both parties, you know, could be interested in. I, I even organized the soccer game when I was there where it was me and my guys and the Iraqi police force that I partnered with to help secure the city. And I even invited the enemy. And they wow. actually, we played a soccer match in the middle of Al-Qut, Iraq, and we had snipers all over the place, but I played a soccer game against the enemy, and they won. <laughs> and it was a tr- it was like a, just a total legitimate soccer match, 
and they whooped our ass. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? But it was cool because for that one day, yeah. we came out and, did and, something together. and played something together and yeah. had some mutual respect even for an hour. And um, honestly, I think, you know, we had a few days of just complete niceness after that. So it just goes It was no, almost normalcy. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you're literally playing a soccer match against somebody who probably tried to blow you up a few weeks back. So wow. it was a really interesting uh, experience and... Um, it was awesome. So how did you go from being this soccer ball guy, you know, this one over there in Iraq, to becoming and coming up with the idea of Nine Line? Well, Nine Line really was kind of an accident. Uh, my brother had started a company called GI Custom, and uh, my brother at that point was here in Savannah. Okay. He was a part of the 160th Special Operations Regiment, Aviation Regiment. And uh, he started a company called GI Custom, but he was still full-time Army. I just came back from Afghanistan, and I was done. Yep. Done with the Army. I'm out. Um, my wife, well, my wife now, my fiance then was pregnant, um, with, uh, my son Jack and, um, I really rolled the dice. I was making a hundred thousand dollars a year as an army captain. Uh, I had 10 years in, I was on a glide path to, you know, having a, a re retiring at like 42 Yeah. and, uh, making good money. And instead I packed up everything. I took my savings and I moved to Savannah to help grow GI custom. Why? I just don't know. I just don't know. It was a really, in hindsight, it was a stupid move. I mean, it was a bad move because it, everything, everybody would say, like, you're making 100K. You're an army officer. You got two deployments. You're doing well. But something was missing. But yeah, it was just like, I was just, I wanted to do something different. Okay. So of all the scary stuff I've seen in Iraq and Afghanistan, the scariest thing that I've ever done in my entire life was get out of the military. And every because you had no, you had it, nothing guaranteed. Yeah, you had nothing guaranteed. Yeah, I had a guaranteed good paycheck, mm -hmm. housing, insurance, everything. So, came out. We started GI Custom, um, and then one of Tyler's buddies got really hurt in Afghanistan, and we started printing T-shirts for him uh, to kind of help his his buddy offset some of the living expenses. His name was Eddie Flip Klein, and um, came up with the idea of. I, wrote, I woke up in the middle of the night and I wrote it down. I said, Nine Line Apparel. Nine Line is an emergency medevac request. Mm -hmm. Nine Line Apparel was set up to kind of promote patriotism, promote veterans, and then we wanted to take some of the proceeds from that organization and we wanted to start a foundation that was going to continue to give back to fellow service members. So, did, we, so we did that. So this is a mission-based company. It's and, totally mission-based. And so you developed a little bit of this, obviously. Yeah, mission-based yeah. company, give-back organization. Yeah. A patriotic apparel company uh, that gives back to veterans. So, I started. Uh, I started Nine Line. I started the Facebook page. I started out with a very small budget, about ten to fifteen dollars a day, um, promoting some of our patriotic designs. And who was doing designing at this point? Um, it was myself and and Miles Burke, who was a SCAD graduate, local SCAD graduate. Okay. Well, how'd you? All right. So, how'd that happen? How did you get with Miles? How did you start? I'm gonna I start designing. I sent him an idea for a logo, which looks nothing like the Nine Line logo <laughs> yep. right this second. But uh, I sent him the idea. Um, my brother got behind the idea. Uh, we argued a little bit in the beginning over whether we should really focus on GI Custom or we should really focus on Nine Line. Yeah. Um, Nine Line ended up becoming the breadwinner pretty quickly, um, and then. We ended up really so you, you come up with this design and then you put it out there on Facebook and did it just start selling like how did this happen it just started selling you know it, it's really how in, in, the, in the beginning I had no idea what I was doing yeah but I was what I was essentially doing was I was creating designs 
And then I was building audiences that I thought, in this little tiny bird brain of mine, people who might like that design. So I'm looking for, you know, military age males who are patriotic, who, you know, maybe conservative, who love the country, and you can build these groups, you know, on Facebook. So was that just <clears throat> by coincidence, or how did you know right then to focus on this small little niche? Because everyone says that if you want to be successful in business, you can't try to be everything to everyone. Right. You literally knew to go to this small group right. and maximize it. Is that just coincidence? I Luck? think it was just it was just a natural instinct okay. that, you know, I know this audience. This is me. Okay. I, I was pretty much building a clothing design that I liked. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what me and my brother we wanted to have something that we liked. Yeah. And nobody nobody made it. So it was shirts that you would wear. It's shirts that I would wear. You know, patriotic, big old forward facing flag on the sleeve. Uh, we had our drop line logo, and we were doing you know pro American T-shirts, and um, and it was just it started to work. Fifteen dollars started to bring in hundred and fifty dollars. So fifteen dollars on Facebook, you were getting a ten to one return. Ten to one return in the beginning. And then what year was this? Uh, two thousand thirteen or 14, 13, 14. So at this point, very few companies have known how to maximize Facebook. Right. You're jumping out early. We were like in the beginning stages of Facebook when the throttle was wide open. And now the it's not the same anymore. No, now it's costing a lot more. But it's the, a lot more, yeah. But the dollars are working. So all of it with this, your Facebook page is growing. Right. And people are sharing. Right. And then what was the shirt that you were like, wow. Stomp my stomp my flag, I will stomp your ass. And really- it's, when, when, when did that come out? That was really when there was a, what we were able to do is we were able to pick up on issues on the 24 hour news cycle. Okay. And immediately bring a concept to market within 24 hours. So you'd see it and then I'd you'd get designed. I'd be like, that's bullshit. They're stepping on an American flag. I'm gonna create something that's against people stepping on an American flag. I'm gonna have it up in 24 hours and I'm gonna promote it. And people are gonna get behind this because this is wrong. Because it's something you stand for. It's something that we stood for. Yeah. And the, when I came out with Stomp, um, I literally, I think I called Miles at like two o'clock in the morning. I was like, dude, I need this design tomorrow morning. He's like, oh, we can't do it. We, we're gonna do it. So we got it up. And uh, we had it up live that next day, and I think we sold like fifty thousand dollars worth of stomp shirts um, in like two days. Oh, and then geez. we just, we just people were people were all about supporting, you know, our cause at that point, which was a pro-American, you know. You're not going to step on this freaking flag, period. So, so you had this huge success. You're learning that there's an audience for this. Yes. What happens after those two days? Um, you keep you I mean obviously we kept on pushing we kept on pushing the design yeah. we sell that we sell that design today we sell you know thousands and thousands and thousands of that same shirt that we came out with several years ago wow it's just a it's always it's a it just resonates with the audience because the yeah. message is still the same yeah it's it's we're not cool with it we're not gonna be quiet about it um, we're kind of a, a much louder edgier brand than than most because we're privately owned. It's mm -hmm. just Tyler and I. Nobody else owns us. So it seems for our, our listeners, your ability to work fast, quickly, timely, get things out in a timely manner, and design yes. was almost everything. Yeah. Well, just like anything, I mean, being the first to market is huge. Yeah. I mean, in any company, any any type of company, um, being the first to market is, is, is a big deal. Yeah. So you got to stay on the 24-hour news cycle and uh, you know, pick and choose your battles. And which ones are you willing to get behind 100%? We raised thousands of dollars for their, uh, the Baltimore Six, the six police officers in Baltimore that were getting a really raw deal for, for getting that guy killed in the back of the police van. Yeah. I knew from the very beginning that that was 
horse shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had some contacts in the Baltimore Police Department. We took a stand. We came up with a shirt. We raised thousands of dollars for their defense. And turns out, a year later, we were correct. You know, yeah. so we had the uh, we had the audacity to go out yeah. and take a stand on something that we believed was right. Yeah. And we and even if it's not politically correct or if it's controversial, it's, yeah. it's 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 you got to do what you believe because you're sticking to no, your I brand. I didn't see I didn't yeah. see Nike taking a stand. I didn't see Under Armour. But but that's your brand, exactly. and I, I think right. you got to understand that. So so in, uh, the first time we met, I remember we grabbed lunch and you told me about how you first started and. You had to pack it so quickly that the post office, the mailman, was showing up at that house. Can you tell about how all these orders started happening, and you weren't even ready for it, and how you, you know, developed from there? Yeah, I remember the first time we filled up a mail truck. You know, so they would come to where were you? Where were you doing this? We were uh, on a we were on Whitmarsh Island. We were in a little two thousand square foot house that we had purchased. (laughs) Um, with Tyler and I's uh, deployment savings, that's that was our first. So were you were you living here, working, or was it just a house to do business? Or it was just a house. I was living in a, a crummy apartment on uh, on the island. Okay. With my family, and um, I thought it was nice. <laughs> but Sarah reminds me to this day that it wasn't nice. So you were showing up to this house <laughs> we're to do up your to this business, house and we turned the house into the business. Okay. Nobody was living there. Okay. And then. And how many employees? Uh, like three. Okay. Right. It was me, my brother, his wife, and Miles and designing Miles. at midnight. Yeah, yeah. and Zion. we started. We brought on you know two or three others. Laurel Park. So you start doing all these orders, and what happens? Uh, we started filling up mail trucks. <laughs> then we started to have to fill up a bit of pickup trucks and drop it off to USPS. Um, you know, it got to the point where the city was not okay with us like having our entire front porch full of packages. (laughs) To the top. To the top. So they are pretty much like, dude, you cannot operate a company at this point of this size out of this house. So we ended up rolling the dice and uh, we found the President Street location, which was 3,500 square feet. And um, I remember being out there on the weekends uh, with a cooler full of beer uh, and a couple clothing racks to try to see if I can sling some shirts just to make the payments because we didn't know if we were going to be able to Cover afford it. eighteen or two thousand. Well, you had this you had this big success of the first shirt, and but you weren't right. sure what was coming next. Our overhead was nothing because yeah. it was just a, it was a house payment. Yeah. I didn't draw a salary. Yeah. Um, Tyler was still active duty; he didn't need to draw a salary. Um, I was living off savings, so it was a uh, you know that was the first step in terms of rolling the dice a little bit to get us to the next level. Wow! Now so. You now moved into this bigger place, which is still not big enough. I think you guys are now going to even a bigger location. Correct. So you had this great idea, this first shirt, it killed it. Your brand, you're getting this audience. But how do you continue to come up with great ideas? I think a lot of people, whether it's musicians, they have that one hit wonder, it's success. How did you continue to grow the brand after you had that great success? Really, it's, you know, you have to listen to your audience. You know, we were probably the first company on planet Earth that let our audience decide what we were coming out with next. How'd you, you know, do that? We did it by letting our audience vote on different t-shirt designs. You so know? you'd put them on Facebook? So we'd come up with an idea, and then we'd come up with four different styles of what that t-shirt design may or may not look like. We'd throw it on Facebook, and I'd let uh, our audience at that point, maybe it was 10,000 or 20,000 or 100,000, whatever it was, we'd let them give us feedback. And they'd be like, oh, we really love design number three, but I wish it was blue, you know, or whatever. And then we would see how many comments were similar, and then we count the votes, and we'd say, everybody's definitely leaning towards the number three. Mm-hmm. A couple people said, you might want to change the verbiage or this, that, and that. And a lot of times we'd take their advice. And what that ended up leading to was people continued to follow the page because they had a say in the products that were coming out. It was like the quickest focus group you could ever do. Dude, it's free. It's free and it's effective and it's smart business because who better determine 
who you're selling to than the people you're selling to. The people are going to buy what they want. So it's so, it's so why aren't why are you still doing this to the day? To the, yeah. So so why aren't other companies doing this? You don't see it. They they put out their shirts. So they don't. Why aren't they doing it? Because our company is like a speedboat, right? We can maneuver very quickly. I can come up with an idea right this second. Although I took a step back from the company, my brother's running it full time right this second. Mm -hmm. He's been gone for the last three years. Yeah. So uh, I've been the guy on the ground for the last three years, and he came back in June. But long story short, we're a speedboat. We can, I can watch the news tonight, find a topic that I think I that I believe in, and I want to ha have a say in. I can have one of our ten, you know, full-time graphic designers create an idea, mm -hmm. and we can put it to market with our in-house marketing team, and then you know put it on every single social media platform known to man. And boost it and put a, sh a bunch of money yeah. behind it. And if it and if it doesn't work, no big deal. No big deal. So I mean, give, give examples. I mean, you're growing tremendously. What things didn't work well? What did you learn as you're building your brand? Just you know, fell flat on their face. What I learned was it's it's not just what I liked. You know, <laughs> I, I've I've come up with things where I was one million percent certain that it was going to be a grand slam. Give me an example. Um, I remember I did this one T-shirt. And it was uh, the evolution of firearms, and I was like, yeah, it, it had something to do with some something that was going on in the media. But so I did like the evolution of firearms. So I had like five iconic firearms, starting all the way from like the Civil War wow. up to a modern day, and they got from longer, you know, the old muskets, all the way down to a very subcompact, you know, yeah. assault type style firearm that we used uh, on the current battlefield. And it was just beautiful. And the artist spent a ton of time on it. And I was like, this thing is going to be a home run. And we launched it. And uh, <laughs> I, I bought myself a few shirts. <laughs> but it just, it did horribly. It did Why? horribly. I don't know. You know, it's just, I, I have no idea to this day. Maybe, maybe I didn't pick the right audience. Maybe it was just something I like. So you have to learn sometimes that it's not just what you like. But you started the company based on what you liked. Right. But then it's kind of the balance of... Well, the, it's definitely... I've won a lot more than I've lost yeah. in terms of if it was my concept and my idea, we tend to have done really well. I did the you know stand for the national anthem. We've sold tens of thousands of those. Wow. Stomp tens of thousands of those. Yeah. Uh, Matt Kluvine, who's a superstar at Nine Line Apparel, uh, came out with the share around at the ISIS shirt. Yeah, freaking crushed it. Still, that's selling. the other yeah. thing that we were able to do at Nine Line is we we let our employees design stuff. If they have a great idea, they bring it to us. Sometimes we run it, sometimes we don't. So, so share how you grew with, you know, you had three of you guys, and then now how many employees does Nine Line have now? I think, uh, I'd have to ask Tyler, I think we have over 140 employees. Okay, so how did you start bringing employees into buy-in? Because it's such a mission-based company. I mean, that's everything you guys are doing is behind what you stand for. Correct. How did you bring on people that had that same mission and that same purpose and that could actually get involved and take ownership? Because very difficult to get people to take ownership in what your vision is. Yeah, um, honestly, if we could do it all over again, and obviously we would uh, we would have done a lot of things differently we've made mistakes that costed hundreds of thousands of dollars like what yeah just in in theory you know in the evolution of how we've done t-shirts you know starting out with a heat press then going to a manual that was you know a lesser caliber type manual but and did you have to do I mean you didn't have the the capital in the beginning I mean you had to take small bets you couldn't have just go on to the thing no that no, no. Take you a lot of money. that that is something that I think every entrepreneur should do is to live within his means yeah you know, our country should do it as well but <laughs> when I we never bought anything that we couldn't pay cash for mm -hmm. ever every single piece of equipment we've ever purchased we paid cash for 
uh, every computer we paid cash for. So you um, had to build the profit into the shirts. You were charging them at a higher profit, but because it was such a lifestyle brand, yes. people were willing to pay for it. Correct. How did you know or have the ability for entrepreneurs to price themselves accordingly? I have the best the best story and the best advice I ever got. I was sitting at a bar. I got a uh, I don't drink anymore. I got two years uh, no drinking under my belt. Wow, uh, pretty awesome. Congratulations! But I remember when I first started, I did spend a lot of time at the bar, and I was sitting <laughs> at a bar and I was sitting next to this guy, and I just started Nine Line, and you know I was telling him about you know one of our competitors and how I was gonna kick his butt, <laughs> and uh, he's like, how are you gonna kick his butt? I was like, I'm gonna make you know the much better shirts it's going to be way cheaper than um our competitors and you know we're just going to price them out we're going to kick their butts and he's like you're an idiot <laughs> and i was you know mad i was like what are you talking about what are you calling me an idiot for he's like you know you don't necessarily want to have the least expensive shirt on the market or the least expensive anything on the market think about it and i was like you're a, you're a clown and i left and uh the next morning i woke up and i was like that guy was right you know you can you want to have, a, you know, a higher caliber brand. You know, it's the... A premium. Yeah, a premium product. Yeah. So there was nothing worth... It's not worth getting a swag t-shirt because you can get it for a lot cheaper. It was always better to use a quality t-shirt. You know, then the shirts that we use are soft mm -hmm. and they're fitted. And women love to sleep in them at night. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just they're, they're... It's like... It's just a high quality T-shirt brand, and we try. Was to your keep first it. shirt that was your first shirt you released the high quality premium? I believe it was honestly. Okay. I think we always we decided from the very beginning that we wanted to use a high quality item, and um, yeah, we've 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 maintained that from the very beginning. So you decided you didn't want to be this price based brand. No, where you wanted to be this high quality brand that stood for something. Yeah, and we wanted to build. You and know, you knew that from the beginning. Well, from this conversation. From the conversation, yeah. yeah. I mean, I. I don't think we really gave it all that much thought, okay. but I'm looking back, hindsight 2020, I can look back and say, I'm glad that we didn't start out with an $11 t-shirt. Yeah. You know, and I'm glad that we uh, were, were comfortable in, you know, the much higher end and the higher priced stuff. You know, we, um, we have our own foundation. Um, we're able to send out, you know, items with your order that we wouldn't be able to send out if, if we didn't have, uh, you know, a higher price point. Mm -hmm. We send we send out decals and koozies with every single order. Yeah, no, let's let's dive into that. So with every order, if someone buys, what's the average price of a t-shirt? Um, our average t-shirt is probably about twenty-four dollars. Okay, so you buy a twenty-four dollars shirt and then shipping. Shipping depends, but you know, let's say right around four four dollars. Okay, so they're paying twenty-eight dollars and they're getting it and they try two two days shipping, try to three days. Oh yeah, they'll 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 have it. We produce now, same day, pretty much same day, next day, and it's out the door. Because so. that's important for a time. It's so, very important. So there's this Amazon world we live in, so you gotta stay you gotta on compete it. with that. So yeah. you're so they're paying twenty-eight dollars. They get the shirt and then they get extra. Yeah, we always throw in a uh, custom cut vinyl decal with our drop line logo. You'll see them. All over the country, all over the world, for that matter. Yeah, um, it's not a cheap sticker. You know, it's it's another quality product, and 100%. you put it on, it ain't coming off. So it's great advertising for us. It's also so that goes out at every single thing. Every that's single out. order okay. from for years. You know, we've spent hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on koozies and and, and custom cut vinyl decals. So the decal and the a, koozie a goes in koozie. everyone. Yeah, you know, it's just um, just something cool. You know, people get really excited. They're like, oh man, I gotta. 
awesome t-shirt, but they surprised me with the decal from my How truck. often do you hear about that from? All the time. What do they we, say? Dude, I've had people from other countries write us emails asking what a koozie is. They didn't know what to do. <laughs> they thought it was a mitten. You know what I mean? So we've had people with pictures of our stuff on the top of Machu Picchu. We've yep. had you know, sightings in Alaska, Fort Drum, Fort Hood, Connecticut. I mean, it's all over the place. Um, and it's very, very guerrilla-ish marketing. Um, and it's it's very effective. Because it's also getting out there. So oh, if you drive around Savannah, if you can... You can drive around Savannah and, and not see 10 of them in one day, uh, I'll give you 100 bucks. <laughs> well, your products are all over the world. I mean, literally, when I fly, I see your products at other airports all over the country. It's, yep. it's unbelievable. So you've built this unbelievable brand, but I think you're standing out by adding, doing this plus one, which is great. You're adding high quality, your yeah. brand standard. How else are you standing out as a brand? Are you guys, because I think the biggest thing, there's lifestyle brands developed every day now. Sure. I mean, everyone's trying to be a lifestyle brand. It, yeah. it's, it's almost cliche. What are you doing to stand out with all this competition? You know, at the end of the day, you can't, you can replicate. We have people rip off our designs every day. I mean, I have a full-time, we have a full-time job at Nine Line Apparel, pretty much sending out cease and desist letters to other companies, other stores who are literally knocking off our designs to the T. Every day. Every day. Multiple times a day. Wow! I mean, we've seen now it on I know, Amazon. Now yeah. I know how Coach Purse feels. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah. for every real Coach Purse, there's like 20 knockoffs. Yeah. It's the same with us. Uh, it's the same with other competitors. You know, I feel for them, and it sucks. But the way that we stay um, relevant, and the way that we stay um, on top of our game, is really just by continuing to be like a a beacon of light for our customers you know we we continue to maintain a stance kind of a conservative stance not not any specific political party but mm -hmm. a, a real american patriotic stance on how we view uh, our country and our uh our roles as leaders in america and i think by staying true to who we are as a company and and what our beliefs are um, we continue to grow and gain a serious following because there's a lot more people in America like, like myself and like my brother and like nine liners than, um, than, than I think most people are, are, uh, believing sometimes by watching the 24 hour news cycle. Is that what is inspiring you and your employees knowing that you have a bigger impact than most companies have? I think we have a pretty large megaphone, and uh, I think we use it for a really, really good, good cause. And yeah, it's it it's, it does make what what we do different than our company. We're a give back organization, and I I would bet money on any give back organization succeeding more so than a just a straight up for profit. You don't have anything larger than you know, your your widgets that you're mm -hmm. selling, you're not giving anything back to the community, you don't have really a stance on much. It's just all about yourself. Yeah, yeah. You, you can you can get away with that for a little bit, but if oh. you want to build a brand, um, it has to be larger than just one product or one person. Yeah, now so, I mean, from a profit standpoint, you know, all businesses, they always talk about profit, but you know, it seems like the profit was just a byproduct of you doing what you liked, you enjoyed, sure. and you believed in. Is that, how can that be, inspiring for someone to start a business because I think most people think, hey, if we don't have money, we can't do anything. But have you seen it as just this byproduct? A absolutely. Um, money, I've never been motivated by money. Um, Why? 
it, it just doesn't excite me. Yeah. You know, I like to be able to provide for my family. My goal is funny. You know, people are like, oh, what do you want to do? You know, <laughs> I, I want to be a farmer. I want to be a farmer. You don't I, hear that much these days. You don't days. hear that much today, but I, I have a farm. and well, just, I, just a farmer every day. I just I would love to have a, a working a small working farm and um, and spend a lot of time hunting and fishing. I mean, that's my end state. It's not really a, a huge, expensive end state that I want that I eventually want, but I just want something. Could that keep you excited, though, as, as an entrepreneur, a person that's been building a business, doing just farming and hunting? It sounds like you love it. Sure. Oh, I'd build a business over it, which I, which I, which I actually have with my wife. But we'll which we're going to get we'll into, talk yeah, about that later. Yeah. So that's what you do. So you build a business about something you love and you learn. build a business yeah. around the lifestyle that you want to live. And I tell people all the time. I mean, everybody should have a side hustle. Everybody. If you have a nine to five job, that's wonderful. But you should have some type of side hustle that's going to pay your mortgage. And once you figure out how to pay your mortgage without digging into your regular wages, you're winning. Yeah, because you know, and then you've 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 just taught yourself how to think outside the box and make a couple extra bucks, and that's something you could pass on to your children as well. Love it. But it's not hard. Everybody has something they're good at, and everybody can take something that they're good at and turn it into making a few bucks. Love it. You don't have to make ten million, but if you can make an extra eighteen thousand dollars a year, that covers your mortgage. Yeah. You know, do it. So, so what's holding you back from being successful? You know, obviously you've built a great, huge business with your brother with Nine Line. Yeah. Now we're going to go into your new business. What's holding you back? Really, the only thing that holds anybody back, to me included, is really staying focused and and, and maintaining like a, a real focus on what is next. You know, um, I have a hard time um, really staying focused and staying organized. That's one of my weaknesses as a it's it's what makes me creative and successful but it's it's what holds me back so i'm the person that needs a secretary you know not because i just need to have a secretary somebody to lick stamps for me or something like that <laughs> but i need somebody that's going to help keep me uh organized because it sounds like you're just a visionary you see things into the future it, it, can you teach can you develop that to be someone that looks in the vision and then basically it sounds like you just need someone that can help execute, but you have the vision of where you want to go. Is that is that true? And how do you how do you find that or develop that? I don't think everybody can be an entrepreneur. Yeah. I, I, I do not believe that it's one proven. day. It's proven. It's <laughs> proven that it can't. And um, I think, you know, just like everybody can't be a bartender, mm -hmm. you know, you, you might want, you know, you have no business behind the bar unless you're a good bartender. Mm -hmm. You're going to just piss people off and make the wrong drink. So really figuring out what you're good at you know, is probably a good start to before you start to figure out. How do you what find? You how do you find that out? Like, like, how have you like, found well, you that can't out? really go wrong, right? You love baseball. I love the entertainment. You love the entertainment, <laughs> right? So, yeah. I mean, you found something that excites you mm -hmm. and motivates you, mm -hmm. and you built a business around it. Mm -hmm. And I've found something that I like to do is I, I love creating products. I love speaking to people um, who love this country, and I love being able to use really talented artists to create a message that can go on a piece of clothing that'll be a forever billboard for something that I believe in. Yeah, see, that's, that's brilliant. I want to touch on that. You, you mentioned artists, and I think a huge reason for your success have been the designs. I don't, very few companies talk about the design of how they do things and how they're presented, but your success is a lot, not just the ideas, but the design. So sure. why are companies, or do you believe every company needs to focus on finding these unbelievably talented creators and these artists? and why aren't they? You know, it's it's a 50-50 mix with artists. Um, we are very fortunate to have artists that um, will take 
an awesome direction, but they have the ability to be as creative as they want to or need to be. Uh, and they don't get their feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. That's really strange with artists because artists sometimes do get their feelings hurt. You know, it's not. They exactly, have so much pride in their work. They do. They yeah, really yeah, do. Yeah. And it's hard to be able to bring their creativeness to something that is kind of being dictated. Hey, we really want it to look like this. This is what it's going to say. But put your spin on it. Um, so we are just, we've been so lucky. Um, I tell a story about um, Jason Norton, um, who is. Uh, a former infantry guy. He had two deployments to Afghanistan. Um, just a, an American hero uh, who came to work for us, and um, we had him in the shipping department. He was such a leader as a non-commissioned officer, and if any business owners are out there and they have an opportunity to hire a Army veteran or a, a service member, yeah. you can't go wrong with a solid non-commissioned officer. They are the driving force behind the services, period. They get it done. So we hired Jason in the shipping department. He immediately showed that he was the guy who just set and forget he, he can get it done. Immediately became in charge of the shipping department. This time it was like a three-man, four-man shipping department, but he was the guy. So he became the lead guy in the department. Came to me one day and said, you know, I really want to be an artist. I'm like, well, <laughs> uh, well, you're an infantry guy. Now you're in shipping and now you're in charge of shipping, but you want to become an artist. We're gonna, we can do that. So I got with Chris Casanova, who's now you know a, a serious higher up at Nine Line Apparel, uh, SCAD graduate, um, just became an American citizen a couple days ago, a couple months ago, which is sweet. He's he's more American than most people I know. <laughs> and um, I'll tell you what, he started to work with Jason Norton, and on his free time, and uh, over the course of time. He, with zero art background, with just the initiative, he is, Jason is now like second in charge of our art department of kids who went to SCAD, which is like the Harvard of law school. I mean, it's the Harvard of uh, uh, art school. Art school, yeah. He just shoot, he showed that he wanted something. We are a kind of company that helped facilitate uh, reasonable asks, and he proved us right. He was worth every ounce of, of, of uh... but this seems rare for someone to go from one thing to something completely oh, totally. different it, it never happens so so what what made him different to be able to do this he's a freaking awesome non-commissioned officer he just doesn't know how to fail and so uh, he just he, he forces himself to learn to become the best yeah and he's got a you know really got a great artistic uh, mind but he also is the exact demographic of the people that yeah. we're trying to reach anyway hard-working patriotic um, not just veterans, but hardworking patriotics. We made the shift from just veterans to patriotics be- because we wanted to cover more ground. Um, so it- it's just an incredible story. Um, yeah. I hope he hears this podcast and and hears about you know how proud we are of him. Um, he's just we have so many of those great stories. Well, I think that's it's obvious that you share how proud you are with your employees, and I think that goes a long way. Just saying that right now, but you know, going back to this this great story. Is there a point when you're trying something new that you should say, you know what, this isn't for me, I should stay in my lane? Have you seen this as you've grown at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just how expensive does it need to be? You know, how expensive does the lesson have <laughs> the to be? The learning experience, For yeah. you to learn. So yeah. we always try to, to figure things out, you know, on the cheap, you yeah. know, as opposed to... How do you do that? Well, just a lot of trial and error and a lot of... Um, 
you, you, again, you got to think outside the box and everything. I mean, we came out with pre-orders. Pre-orders gave us the ability to test the market on designs where we didn't have to print until that pre-order was complete. So explain how that works. So a pre-order is we run a design for three weeks or two weeks or ten days or five days or whatever. Just put it on your Facebook. Put it on Facebook yeah. and people know that this will not be printed for a week or two. And they can sign up and get it. And if they don't get it, they're never going to get it because a lot of times we'll never print them again. You'll just print the total amount ordered? Total amount ordered. Maybe we'll print a few for the storefront or for the employees who want some as well, but that's it. Now, we've kind of, in, in a way, kind of trained people to, to say, hey, I might never get this shirt again. Boom, I'm going to buy it. Sense of earnest. Well, the good thing is I get to tally up exactly how many shirts need to be printed. So I don't need to go ahead and do a print of 100 black, 100 red, 100 blue, and small through 3x so you they, they order exactly what they want and we print exactly what they want What's and, the, and that's one of all what we do that nobody else does that's a small bet and what like can anybody do this i mean if you have the infrastructure in place it's not nearly as easy as it sounds i mean you really have to have um you have to have the online infrastructure and capability and um uh tracking and it, because when you first did it, it didn't go. You learned a lot from the first sure. time you did. Yes, that, and that's never been my strength. And that, that that there's people that are way smarter than me, um, you know, to include my brother, who yeah. know how to get the some of the ideas off the ground, leveraging technology. And test them. Correct. Cool. So, all right, I want to get into your new company that you're launching. Sure. You know, but first, if, if someone's starting a business today, or they're in a business and they're completely stuck. You know, they just aren't inspired, they're not working as hard as they used to be, or they don't know what to do. What advice would you give them? If they're in a business that they're just straight stuck, um, you know, it, you really have to, there's so many things that I would need to know in order to give really good advice or shitty advice. But uh, <laughs> I would say if they're really stuck and they're just not motivated by what they're doing, then they need to fold up their tents and start something that they, they, that they are motivated and, and excited about. Mm -hmm. I think um, if you're not excited about your own products, Good nobody's going to be excited about your own products. You and know? you can so, read that on people's faces. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and then that's the cool thing. You know, I spent probably five months getting that hot sauce over there on that table the way that I wanted it. And it was a lot of back and forth. And I just, you know, it was relentless. I, 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 I kind of told them exactly how I wanted it. I, you know, got it close to how I wanted it to taste and then I you know they'd make 10 bottles and I'd taste all 10 bottles and I'd be like I like one and I like seven one needs to be a little bit spicier and seven needs to be a little bit sweeter and smash those two together and we might be there and I get five bottles and I taste them all and I'm like nope we're not there yet 20% here 10% there this needs to be a little bit saltier this needs to be thicker boom back and forth this takes months but I finally got to the product that I was pumped about and I was like that's the that's the freaking one right there yeah and um, and you brought it to me this morning which yeah. I'm actually pumped to have some hot yeah. sauce I'm a huge and, hot sauce and, guy and so. I have moved in just a few months I've moved tens and tens and tens of thousands of those bottles of hot sauce and this is part of this company that you launched Georgia 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 Atlanta Atlanta Cattle. and when did you start that I started with my wife not that long ago and um like six months, a year. Uh, pro really, years. we really just start. We really just launched the website just a few months ago. And, and you're selling tens of thousands of hot sauce in a, another. There's, I mean, you got Texas Pete, you got Tabasco, ones that dominate. Yeah. And now you're selling tens of thousands of these hot sauces. Yes. How? 
Um, online, wholesale, um, different distributors that are carrying it right this second. Um, but I, I guess the whole thing is, so you launch this brand, I gotta go back, I'm just blown away that in a couple months you're selling, because Hot Sauce is only a part of this brand. So why don't you kind of give a little bit about... So Georgia Land and Cattle is a southern lifestyle company. It was started by myself and my wife, and really we just wanted to do something that was gonna just be fun, just a family business that we could start that was gonna be just fun for me and me and her. Because you're not something you're also you're passionate about. Yeah. Like you said being a farmer. Yeah. Enjoy, I yeah. mean, I just I wanted to start something that was gonna be simple and fun, and I wanted everything to be made in Georgia. Okay. Well, let's start. You just said let's start something that's simple. Starting any business is not simple. How, how do you define it as making it simple? Well, simple being I didn't I never really plan on having like 150 employees for this company. Okay. I, I really I plan on having you know less than a dozen. Okay. But I still believe that I can grow a multi multi million dollar company. Um, and, and keep it simple and keep it small and make it fun. And by using some of the things that you learned with Nine Line and how to grow a exactly. brand that stands for something. Exactly correct. Okay. So all of my products are made in the state of Georgia. Um, and I utilize other Georgia families and companies to help me get my products uh, on the shelves. So what are your main products right now? So right now I do, uh, I have a gra- we have a grass-fed uh, cattle operation that we use in Brooklyn, Georgia. Okay. They do all of our grass-fed filet mignons, our grass-fed burgers. Um, every product has a story. All of our hot sauces, barbecue sauces, jellies, jams, those are all bottled in Statesboro, Georgia. Okay. Our jerky comes from um, the Rinkin area. Um, our coffee is roasted here in Savannah. And you're wearing a shirt too. You got yeah, shirts. Yeah, we have we have shirts that are printed here in Savannah as well. How many total products? Total products, we probably have about 30 total products. Everything from home decor to grass-fed filet mignon that can be delivered right to your doorstep. Um, our top selling products are by far our, our hot sauce, our coffee. Um, people love our Georgia Land and Cattle just basic tractor t-shirts. It's a great you shirt. Know, it's a great shirt. Because it's, it's simple. It's simple, and we do a lot of stuff for kids. You know, so it's just simple, wholesome stuff that you're going to want to show off in your house or you're going to be cool with your kid wearing or stuff that you can taste. We put together these boxes, which, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a flag box, and Inside it is, you know, barbecue sauce, local honey, and coffee, or you can build mm-hmm. the box however you want. It's a great gift for the holiday season. You send it to your folks. They have this beautiful handmade wooden box that lasts forever. And then inside they have consumables that they get to immediately enjoy. So it's like one of the best kind of gift ideas that I've awesome. ever created. And um, we're killing it. You know, yeah. we're, we're slinging, we're slinging these things all over the place, all over the country, but mainly in Georgia. Yeah, Everybody you would assume. Yeah, you're yeah. again, you're staying focused on that niche, and I think that's a big thing to learn. But also with the amount of products that you have, I think that's a big question because you look at so many companies that they expand too much. Sure. Uh, you know, their line of extensions is crazy. How do you know for whether it's Nine Line or now as you're launching this? When's too many products? When do you narrow it down? Because you said you have some best sellers that are probably sure. doing what 90 percent of your revenue. Yeah. How do you know when to, when to slow down and narrow it down? Well, I've designed it in a way where I don't have to carry a ton of inventory. Right okay. now, I, I've, I'm running George Land and Cattle out of my house. I mean, Same. so it's like I have my garage. Yeah. It's full of uh, products, and I package them. My wife ships them out every single day. Do you have a week. porch that you can start stacking up again? No, everything's <laughs> done out of the garage. I, I'm actually looking to um, – I have a couple big business things that I'm working on with a couple um, – couple really serious entrepreneurs in the area that I'll be launching uh, in the next six months that is going to give us the space to kind of have a um, uh, a place to come to get all these products um, 
which is going to be really exciting, but I don't want to, I don't yeah. want to spoil it. So, so, but when do you know when to stop with the products? I mean, when do you know to say, Hey, or you got to constantly reinvent it sounds, but you got certain ones that are really doing all the work. Well, can you, you have too many? Yeah, you can easily have too many, but not necessarily. Um, you, you want to give people an assortment of products that they're going to want to enjoy. You don't want to just have ketchup, right? Yeah. Ketchup is pretty boring. So I would, and, and hot sauce. I think a lot of people love hot sauce, but a lot of people like barbecue sauce. A yeah. lot of people like beef jerky. A lot of people like jellies and jam. So if you don't have to buy 10,000 of them at a time and have them stuck, you know, inventory, yeah. you know, collecting dust in your garage, yeah, yeah, yeah. then you, you come up with a system that allows you to get a few cases at a time. Um, and you don't have to carry an astronomic amount of So you can still stay in your lane if you know your lane is Georgia-based. Yep. It could be some food items, could be some retail, but stay in that lane. Yes. And then you can still do small bets with it and see how it works out. If it works out well, keep rolling with it, or maybe you discontinue the line. Right, because you got to really determine from the very beginning, do you want to start a – are you trying to grow a product or are you trying to grow a business? Or in my case, are you trying to grow a brand? And I'm, I'm good at growing brands. And I think that there's a lot of value in growing an actual brand. I know you can relate mm -hmm. to this. Yeah. You're building something. We talked about this offline before going on about, you know, most entrepreneurs are builders. They love the excitement. I mean, you built Nine Line from nothing to one of the most successful companies in the country. And now this Georgia Land and Cattle in a couple months is going crazy. Yeah. What happens, what I call the messy middle? You know, after two, three, four, five years, most entrepreneurs, builders sometimes get bored. How do you continue to grow that brand and still stay excited about it? Well, I think that it's important to know what you're trying to build from the very beginning. Now, I did not know what I was trying to build at Nine Line from the very <laughs> beginning, so I'm not going to pretend like I did, uh, nor did my brother. Uh, but for Georgia Land and Cattle, I want to keep it a boutique brand. You know, I, I don't want to grow it into a Heinz. You know, why not? I just I, I, that's just not my. I'm not motivated to get it to that level. That's not what I'm trying to build. I want more stresses. It's more stresses, yeah. but if if I can build it to become a complete name brand in the, in, in the southern, southeastern United States, that's exactly where I want to be. I want to be, you know, people know Georgia Land and Cattle is going to be a recognized household name in this region. And I'm happy with that. So it's almost like you're creating, you'd rather be number one in your own category that you create instead of try to compete to be number one in a much larger category. Exactly right. And um, even within the name, you know, I... Um, I want, I want Georgia to be, I want Georgia to buy Georgia Land and Cattle, mm -hmm. and I don't care if South Carolina or North Carolina or Connecticut or anybody else enjoys well, it. Well, maybe but, people that are from Georgia. But originally. I built this to, um, to be a Georgia brand and to make sure that everything's made in Georgia, and to put other companies in Georgia to work. Um, and it sounds like this could be done in any state. Absolutely. So, but you're still, you know, care so much about Georgia. But how could someone or a business put this new company out of business? What would they do? What would hurt Georgia Land and Cattle? I guess, um, and, and you could hurt any business. Yeah. Um, I, honestly, if all of a sudden we just had you know a million entrepreneurs pop up in the next couple of weeks and 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 spend every waking hour uh, trying to do the same thing, just <laughs> do the same thing. I yeah. mean, it could damage me, but. Um, Good luck, you know. I I don't go out of my way to go and, and hurt anybody else's companies, so uh, I just expect that, that wouldn't happen to me. So where do you see Georgia Land and Cattle going in five ten years? 
honestly, I really want to build a brand that um, that's going to be something that I can put other family members to work. I'd love to have my kids uh, run George Land and Cattle one day, or if, if they're if they have any interest in in that, I'd really like to build the farm around the business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'd really like to. Um, eventually, I have a 210-acre uh, farm up in Newington, Georgia. I'd like to eventually make that the headquarters for Georgia Land and Cattle and, and have a big warehouse and have a bunch of employees up there and even uh, grow some of my own stuff and awesome. have everything done there. But for the time being, um, we have awesome, awesome, awesome products. They're all developed here in Georgia. Uh, you can check us out at uh, georgelandandcattle.com or, or give us a like on, on Facebook. The Facebook yeah. yeah. Now, as a parent, you know, do you have plans to kind of share this entrepreneur spirit with your kids? And how are you going to try to get them involved? No, you're not just the business. Are there lessons you plan to teach them as they're growing up? Absolutely. So I was talking to my wife about this the other day. You know, I have a 10-year-old boy um, named Levi. And I'm, I was talking to Sarah and I was saying, you know, I think I can give Levi a gift that most parents can't give to him. Um, I think I can show him at a very young age how to make an astronomic amount of money. And then I thought about that for a second and I said, that's not the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, What I would like to teach my children is the value of relationships. Relationships are everything. It's, It's the relationship that me and you have developed over a very short amount of time where I know I could call you for last minute, if I need something, we're not going to talk about that. But you know what I'm saying? But it's about building those relationships. At the end of the day, when you need something, it's not something that your bank account's going to be able to fix. It's something that somebody in your life that you've developed a serious relationship with, that's who you're going to go to for that support, and that's what's going to get you through life. Common sense and relationships. And if you can master um, how to be good on both ends of a relationship you're going to get through life no big deal mm-hmm. it's going to you're going to kick ass and take names so i'm going to squeeze in how to make some money <laughs> but i really want to teach my kids the value of relationships because i have proven through my business career my military career my time in iraq mm-hmm. that it, the relationships that i have built over the years is really my my uh my purest form of, of real capital that I have right this second. So I got relationships that I've built all around the world at this point that I'm very proud of, and um, and I can call in some fire on any of them anytime I need because they know that I would do the same for them. Awesome. Great advice. All right, it's time for the ninth inning now. Right, We're going to do clutch, rapid fire, outrageous questions, some fun questions. Um, you ready to rock? Let's do it. All right. First thing you do in the morning. Brush my teeth. All right. If you could wear one shirt the rest of your life, what would it be? It would be a nine-line shirt. <laughs> what brand inspires or motivates you? Uh, brand that motivates me, inspires me. Daniel Defense. Daniel Defense. Okay. All right. If you're in the besides o- my own brand, yes, Daniel, I, Daniel Defense motivates uh, the shit out of me. I get it. All right. And now, if you're in the Olympics and you've won the gold medal, what did you win it in? Uh, sprinting. Sprinting, okay. I, I <laughs> Sprinting, that's not even a category. Can yeah. you at least give like a sprint, what, the 400, a mile? Uh, you know, it would 400? be the, the, the pole vaulter. I'd be a pole vaulter. You're better, you're probably, all right, one food item you can't live without. Uh, hot sauce. Right, yeah, me too. All right, and a guilty pleasure music that you listen to. 
I am embarrassed to say that I love classical music sometimes. Give me an example. Like the, you know, 20s, 30s type music. 1920s and 30s. Yeah, sometimes I'll just jam out. I was in uh, Germany a couple months ago, and we were just rolling through the mountains listening to some, like, you know, Beethoven. It was just awesome. Wow. Don't tell anybody that. All right. Well, you have completed the ninth inning. Uh, Danny, it was a pleasure having you. Where else? You mentioned Georgia Land and Cattle. Where else can they connect with you, our listeners? Uh, check me out on uh, check out our, our, our Georgia Land and Cattle Facebook page. Um, check out some of our products. Keep us in mind for the holiday season. Same thing for Nine Line uh, Nine Line Apparel. Uh, check out our Nine Line Apparel Facebook page. Um, give us a like, share, uh, support these great companies because they they really are exactly what I said. They're great companies. They stand for something. Um, and they're giving back to both the local communities and, um, and, and, and just the local population in general. You know, we're putting people to work. So give us a shout and uh, tell a friend, please. Excellent. Danny, it's a pleasure having you. A lot of great lessons here. You know, thank you for your friendship. And, I, you know, thank you for what you're doing with your company. It's amazing stuff. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Cool. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Find Your Yellow Tux podcast. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. It would mean a lot to me. Next week, we have Tim Leary, the national radio host, started in comedy and improv. Great conversation. I know you'll enjoy. So until then, stop standing still, start standing out.